Let's do it. Let's do it? Let's do it. Okay. Do you want to sing your song? <laughs> um, um, Jane has a lot of animal friends. She's the best because she's lots of animal friends and people friends too. And some of them aren't just men, which is cool. It's the Dane book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's so cute. Really good. Uh, hi, and welcome to Tortal Recall, the podcast where we reread the Tortal books and yell about them. This month, we're talking about Wild Magic, the first book in the Immortals Quartet. Um, my name is Gus, and my pronouns are they, them. We're saying, like, what kind of kid we were, uh, and I'd just like to say I've never been a horse kid, um, and I figured out that this is because I couldn't draw them. Uh, oh, they're impossible so to draw! So I was a cat kid, and later I was a wolf kid and a bird kid. I'm Amy. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I was a Pokemon kid, but Gus, I was also going to say I wasn't a horse kid, but I did draw a lot of horses (laughs) because I was very good at drawing horses. Nice. I'm going to draw a horse right now. (laughs) Don't tell me to prove it. Okay, okay. I will, I will, I will pass on the judgment of how good this horse is in a couple of minutes. Um, this is Kelly. (laughs) My pronouns are she, her, and I was, um, a whisker child in... (laughs) In Dane's oh. words, or Tamara Pierce's words, I was definitely a cat kid. Aww. Love cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Shelby. My pronouns are she, her, and I was definitely a wolf girl. Like, like one of the full-on, like, I think about half of my wardrobe was uh, t-shirts with wolves on them. I definitely remember at least one birthday party that was, like, a trip to, like, a wolf sanctuary in Indiana. Like, I was, I was committed. That sounds on brand. That's that awesome. sounds very right. really nice. I like it. I'm like really nervous about drawing this. Course. It's good. It's looking good so far. First report looks good. Um, I guess we're going to start uh, right in with first adventure, which is where we talk about our background with the book. Um, Amy, do you want to start? Okay. Yeah, I have no background with this Ooh. book, but one thing I do have background with is. I got, I uh, bought the book on online. Um, also, I do really quick want to say, all of you who just explained Dane to me by being like, oh, she has a lot of animal friends. Numer is there. He's weird. Don't ask questions about him. <laughs> I'm really mad at you because this is not a book about animal friendship exactly, per se. It's also about being savage and rad as hell. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but anyway, um, so you've all let me down. Um <laughs> Anyway, so I got a book, a version of this book online that's also a compendium of all four of the books because that's what I did for Alana. The, the arch on the Alana book was by Greg Newbold. You may remember that that horse had a ton of significant face veins that were very disturbing. <laughs> got a book by the same artist! Ooh. More horse veins! Oh, very creepy. Yeah, this horse looks nothing like Cloud. It's a black horse. It's very tall. <laughs> You're right. That is wrong. That's <laughs> this horse is twice Alana's size. Anyway, uh, that's my background with the book. My background with the book is, I guess I probably read it in like uh, third grade or so. 
Um, and then it was like my absolute mostest favoriteest book because there were so many animals in it, and I love animals, and I loved it, and I love it forever, and I read it about once a year, <laughs> and I have done that ever since third grade. That's my background. My background is not totally dissimilar. I also read it around uh, third grade, and while it's not necessarily my favorite series now, I'm pretty sure it was then. Um, but. Also, it was the only Tamara Pierce book that I ever uh, dressed up as a character for. Like, I definitely had a Dane Halloween costume growing up. Awesome! Um, and also, <laughs> to speak more of merchandising, I also had a badger necklace, which, <laughs> like, apparently magical necklaces, I did not notice this before. Does everyone have a magical necklace? We have two main characters with magical necklaces, um, which was just a great merchandising decision. Um <laughs> but yeah, I had a little badger claw necklace that I would wear as a kid. Wait, is that official merchandise? Oh no, no actually it was so unofficial I couldn't even find one and my mother, who is a remarkably devoted mother, actually like commissioned one from some artist Aww. at some point when I was really obsessed with the series. So thanks mom. Aww. It was great. That's really sweet. So I read all of these books, like, chronologically in order of publishing. Uh, so I think I must have read this when I was, like, in, like, 7th or 8th grade. But um, I guess really, like, my the, the significant thing for me about these books is that they're the books that uh, got my brother interested in the series. Um, so they're the books that, like... That, that he read first and, like, that we talk about sometimes and he just, like, loves them. So, like, they have, like, some, like, emotional significance for me there. And rereading this, also, I was just like, why didn't, why didn't I love this more looking back? Like, what, I mean, like, I, I, I know that I love these books, but, like, I forgot just how much. <laughs> They're so good. I haven't reread, I haven't reread it a lot. So, like, it just, they're so good. I had forgotten. Yeah, no, I actually also, I've reread, like, in adulthood, the um, Protector of the Small series and the, uh, what's the, Trickster's Choice series, but I've never reread these as an adult, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Oh, one, one side effect of these being the books that my brother loved is that all of my copies of these books are, like, second or third copies, because the ones <laughs> that he read were literally in, like, six pieces each. And these are small books. These are not large books. Oh, that's like the best kind. Of, like that's the best testament to how much a book is loved, though. Is just how many pieces is it in? Which pages are missing? Is it like fifty percent of them? Like I have a copy of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince where it's just like the middle is gone. The middle's just gone. I don't know what happens in the middle of it anymore. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that mine are, like, in pretty solid condition because of the amount of rereads, and also, like, I got my best friend into all these book series, too, and she doesn't have a copy of this series, so, like, half the time my books live at her house on her shelf. Um, I also have one more point of interest on background for this book, um, which Amy and I think Shelby already know, um, but I went to go see Tamara Pierce at, like, an independent bookstore when I was, like probably in like fourth or fifth grade. Um, and I had her sign a business card of hers, which I then taped the inside of this book. And on it, she wrote Kelly, like, and then she wrote like the female sign rule exclamation point to Tamara Pierce. <laughs> that's so, that's so Tamara Pierce. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. It's a code. <laughs> I think I think it's it says ten eleven, so that but that can't be twenty eleven because that was way too recent. So, so really... October eleventh. October eleventh, unknown year. Let's move into first test, um, where we summarize things and talk about what happened in this book and our general impressions. Amy's horse is looking pretty good. Also. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> horse update. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really enjoying the perspective. It's like a three-quarter perspective, which is pretty challenging. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, so one thing that happens in this book is Dane is rad as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so it opens and we get 10 pages in and Dane is just like, like her fam, she watched her family die. She meets Onua, who's a horse, who's a hostler, and is like, "I would also like to be a hostler. I'm an orphan now. Please take me in." And Onua's like, "Well, if you leave me while I'm out there, you'll wish you died as a child." And Dane just laughs. Dane laughs in her face because Dane is metal. Because Dane is afraid of nothing. She's 13 years old, and she could kill me. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so this book is about how Dane is metal as hell, um, as far as I can tell. I feel like this book is like, Dane goes on an extended road trip and makes some friends. Yeah, like a workaway <laughs> road trip and meets every famous person that exists. And they, like, adopt her. Yeah. I also uh-huh. just appreciate, yeah, the degree to which she kind of, like, has absolutely nothing to do or lose at the beginning. So she's just kind of like... Yeah, sure, I'll go to Tortal. Yeah, sure, I'll stay in Tortal. Oh, you want me to, like, be your special wild magic person? Sure, don't got anywhere else to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any plans coming up. Why not? I also, like, in terms of, like, meeting all the famous people, my absolute favorite thing was that Tamara Pierce could not resist, like, doing the exact same thing every time, which is, like, a cool new person rolls up, and Dana's like, wow, what a cool person who seems so down-to-earth and practical and just like me. Oh my god, they're the most famous person ever again! (laughs) That surprises her, like, ten times! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, so the plot of this book is Dane meets a horse lady, uh, Onua, whom I love, um, and starts working for her and goes to Tortal, Tortal, um, and uh, <laughs> and d- learns w- that she has wild magic, even though she doesn't think she has magic. Like every person who Tamar Pierce is going to write about, I guess. <laughs> um, and meets Numer, who was a bird and isn't. And also, immortals exist, and those are monsters that are just like walking around. And Dane murders their queen (laughs) and then she goes on a road trip part two to another place and then on the way she meets more animal friends and then she gets there and then there's suddenly a siege then she fights off the siege happy ending there's a kraken yeah she's 13 years old (laughs) there's a kraken and a dragon and i forgot that both of those things happened in this book yeah, none of you told me about the Kraken, the dragon, or the griffin. The Kraken, or dragon, or griffin. I forgot about it. Yeah, and I mean, like, okay, you're not allowed to tell me about the Kraken, dragon, or griffins, or uh, the immortals, the Stormwings, at all. But I would have been a lot more excited to start reading this book if you did. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's hard though because I feel like all of those things are like it's like part of the plot that they get like revealed. Okay, but you know how you describe this book to me every time I mention this book? It's three words. You know what those three words are? I love animals. No, it's just animals, animals, animals. <laughs> I mean, if you consider the fact that the immortals basically are animals, this was not incorrect and she didn't leave anything out. They're people! <laughs> They're people who are monsters. People are animals. Actually, I think it's firmly uh, 
established in a somewhat odd way that it seems to be that the dragons are actually people. Or rather, lowercase p, people. Whereas all of the other immortals are not. Because they give us a nice classification system with, like, capable of education versus not. (laughs) Yeah, also, like, so what's up with all the immortals being here now? I know I can't know that, but, like... You cannot know. What's up? You can't know. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're here now. Yep. Here they are. Yeah. Now, here they are. Yeah. (laughs) We're gonna gonna see this and where this goes in the future, but one of the things that I like about this book is that it starts out... And Dane is like, wow, all these like all these like immortals or all these these creatures, they don't belong here. I can tell that they feel weird and they don't belong here and I don't like them. They don't belong here. And by the end of it, she's like, well, maybe there are predators and maybe they belong here. I love that line so much. Maybe there are predators is such a good part. Yeah. Mm. No, I love it, especially because like. Like, they're really straightforward with her. Well, kind of really straightforward. Every time they're like, they sealed them away 400 years ago. So, like, yeah, obviously it's a change from the way things were at the beginning. Also, like, coming back to that part, I feel like even though they keep saying they were sealed away 400 years ago, like, once again, Tamora Pierce, like, I feel like has forgotten what she wrote, like, 50 pages ago. Because sometimes she's like, the greatest mage in the land sealed them away. And sometimes she's like, a bunch of people sealed them away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's less of a, like, of a discrepancy. And I read that more as being, like... It's it happened four hundred years ago, and like people aren't one hundred percent sure what happened because it's like kind of like mythologized. That's true. I just I do think that in these books, like in these early books especially, Tamara Pierce has a tendency to kind of make sure you know what she's talking about and what she's doing. <laughs> um, in a in a lot a lot of ways. I think this might be moving into our next segment, the name of which I forgot. So um so yeah so maybe let's. Gus, I'm not going to introduce the next segment for you, nor would I ever. All right. Well, we're moving into uh, (laughs) Run the Dominion Jewels, our segment on, like, world building and, like, maybe, like, some more writing things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Transition. (laughs) (laughs) Amy and I are in charge of incidental music. (laughs) (laughs) Writing. I'm going to isolate all of those and just use them. Transition noises. You know what? Feel free. TM, TM, TM. <laughs> All right. Cool. Guess we're doing that. Okay. Um. So, I one thing that Tamara Pierce does with her writing in this book, and it's wildly different from time to time, is sometimes she'll say something like, "Onua prepared a long white cereal <laughs> with spices that that she called." rice and it's like we do all call it rice like you can say it's rice and dane didn't know what that is but then okay at a at different times it'll be like onoa will be in the middle of saying something like for example when she was talking about hedge witches she said the word hedge witch and then in the middle of her dialogue there was a parenthetical that was not in dialogue that was the definition of a hedge witch and then it went straight back into the dialogue like both of those things happened in pretty much the same chapter okay am i the only person who disagrees with who no, like... i mean we were sitting next to each other <laughs> yeah okay frankly to me that just sounds like middle grade fiction which is what this is like be like unnecessary like a thing it's like well okay that is necessary for a lot of young kids it's like how are they supposed to know what a hedge witch is especially in this weird other world like 
Okay. I like I like interpret it kind of like you, like Tamara Pierce, like trying to be a little bit better at like tying up some loose ends of things that she realized maybe she didn't really explain well before, like in the previous set of books. <laughs> yeah, and like okay. just really clumsily. <clears throat> I think that I'm willing to bring this kind of stuff up right now because I really enjoyed this book and the writing of it, and so those when things like that happened, they really stood out to me mm. and made me go like, who is like who are you writing to right now? Is this Dane's perspective or is this the reader's perspective? And like she is still sort of doing the hopping perspective things a little bit, yeah. but. It's weird that the reader is one of them. It feels more deliberate in this book than it did in the first Alana book. Yeah, like, one thing I really enjoyed about this book that I, like, kind of forgot and realized, it was why it, like, sort of made it so hard for me to tell Amy what happened aside from just saying animals, 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 is, like, the way that she, like, reveals Dane's magics is sort of, like, by, like, each time, like, subtly dropping, like, like, Dane kind of, like, called to her friends. Dane had a whole conversation with this animal inside her head. <laughs> Dane, like, talked with a million other animals, and she knew exactly what they were saying. Like, she just slowly, like, drops that more and more, like, reveals more of, like, Dane's perspective. And I thought that was really fun. Yeah, it's so well done. I love so much how Dane does not seem to realize that other people can't talk to animals. Like, the degree of obliviousness that she has is just, like, Mm -hmm. continues to mount as you're like, oh, okay, like, she's just very good with animals. That's reasonable to overlook. And then it's like, no, she's having very long conversations with them, and she still doesn't (laughs) realize this is odd. And even once she does realize that she has magic, she keeps doing it. Like, there's a line really (laughs) near the end of the book where she's, like, uh, where she's uh, talking about, talking to all the animals that got, have been pulled into the keep because of the siege. Uh, Mm -hmm. And she's, like, honestly, you'd think people would have told them before. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I know, I read that. (sighs) It's just her worldview. That's a very difficult thing to change. And I also love it because she, like, seems so, like, I like that she thinks this is normal, but this, she's also clearly aware that, like, it there's not because it feeds into this whole sense that she has of being, like, abnormal and wrong throughout mm. the books. So, like... On one, like, on one level, I think she knows that what she's doing isn't normal, but on the other, she's been doing it for so long that she can't figure out what part of it isn't normal. <laughs> and I also just like, like, the angry teen aesthetic that gives her, like, ah, I can't understand what everybody keeps saying. I'm so different. I'm just like everybody else. <laughs> everybody keeps turning into hawks or turning into men or going back and forth, and I am done with it. <laughs> Dane has no time for nonsense. Yep. Yeah, or on the other hand, like, I am... The, like, classic teen, just like, I am so different, and no one could ever possibly understand me. Like, she does both of those, and it's amazing. Just so good. (laughs) I love her. I guess one other thing that I was kind of interested in, is this a section where we do world building? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, one of my favorite things in this that I, like, haven't figured out, and honestly, even though I say I read these books once a year, like... I cannot remember if this is addressed in later books, so if it is, stop me. Um, but I can't figure out, like, so here's Numer, and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm, like, best friends with everybody in the kingdom, but he was not in the last series, so sometime in this, like, timeline, in between this and the last series, he, like, waltzed in, and oops, I, like, threw out my headphones. He waltzed in, and he was like, hello, everybody, I'm your best friend now, I'm the most dismagicest wizard in the land, and totally established himself. My fan theory is Numer fig- wanted to be friends with George and Alana, and figured out where they lived, and became that neighbor in a sitcom who's always leaning in through the window. <laughs> like, howdy, neighbors. 
<laughs> I baked this. I baked some bread for you guys. Ate half of it on the way here, but there's half left. <laughs> He's also a super dramatic wizard, so it's not like I'm just your next door neighbor. It's I've moved into that empty tower in your land so that I can be a freaking sorcerer in a tower. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine him like, yeah, like, like suddenly like apparating like to the middle of the room, being like, "Oh, hello." <laughs> you guys having breakfast? You mind feeding one more? <laughs> it's just me again. I like tried to do a little bit of timeline. So at the beginning of the book, um, Ono said that the rioters were formed seven years ago. So I imagine that it's at least seven years after the last book, probably a little bit more if they was queen for a little bit. A little bit later, they say that there's been like. Um, universal schooling for nine years. So I think it's been at least nine. Oh, okay. And then they said Numer changed his name from Aaron Draper eight years ago. So I assume that's when I know. <laughs> I think that's when he showed up. So I guess he's had eight years to make friends, but I still can't really figure out how he went from like not being there to being like biffles with everybody. Well, everybody wants to be friends with him because he's super powerful. Yeah, I think it's a very well-established thing in this world that like the... Um, cool people are just friends with all of the other cool people and like because he's like you know one of the most powerful wizards in all of the world of course he's going to be friends with the king and like the coolest and best knight in all of the world and the coolest and best spy master in all of the world like (laughs) you know he's magic and as horse books and horse media have taught us for years friendship is magic (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, you're right! <laughs> Guess wow. quit. quit horsing around. <laughs> my mind has been blown. Wow. <laughs> that was amazing. I guess it did only take Dane, like, whatever this, this like, the time in this book was, like, several months to also become best friends with all the coolest people in the land, so... And that's counting the fact that she was, like, very resistant to the idea of, like, these people being able to be friends with her at the beginning. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, all these people are friends with each other. I'm just gonna go walk off into the woods and sulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's kind of, like, similar to Alana, where she, like, shows up at the palace, and, like, all of a sudden, like, all the coolest kids are like, our new best friend! It's, like, the same thing, like, Dane waltzes in, and, like, suddenly they're all like, wow, look at this 13-year-old! It's great, <laughs> yeah. Your best Except for, like, the two people who Tamara Pierce is, like, very careful to kind of code <laughs> as being materialistic and, like, rude or whatever. Should we move on to something really serious? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I totally failed in doing a smooth transition here earlier when we were talking about rice, but that rice line also <laughs> got me because, like, they're very firmly establishing that there is rice in this world, like, that Onua somehow can buy, but there's no rice in these countries. Like, there's nowhere to, like, grow rice, so they're importing <laughs> rice, which is super expensive. Why are they doing that? And not only that, but there's a later mention of an orange. So I really want to know what the trade networks look like here. And also, why like why does Dane, a relatively poor commoner, have an orange? Like Orange Yeah, also Fruit super... Watch 2K18. <laughs> yeah, like, or... <laughs> yeah, really. We decided when Amy when Amy was reading this, we were in the same room and Amy started Fruit Watch 2K18. Mhm. Um, so Fruit Watch 2K18 is, I thought that the only fruit that was named was apples and only if a horse was there. <laughs> but then 
Kelly found figs and oranges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The so, same oranges you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But then it's still like a roll with fruit inside and there's still fruit juice. So what's up? We thought that maybe the oranges, we thought that maybe like pirate swoop could be in like southern France or like Sicily of Tortle. So they could technically grow citrus, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, like if it's in the lower Europe part. My theory was Florida, but Kelly kept yelling at I me. I debunked it. <clears throat> You didn't debunk With it. With yells. You just yelled <laughs> at me. <laughs> um, so, like, it could, like, Tortel could feasibly have territories that are in, like, the southern France slash northern Italy or southern Italy region of fake Europe that it's in. Fantasy Europe. Fantasy Europe, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, like, if, if we're looking at this like it maps onto you know the real world then you'd probably have the great inland sea as like the mediterranean it's basically mm-hmm. basically yeah. means the exact same thing well but pirate swoop is nowhere near the great inland sea <laughs> yes you're correct about that <laughs> yeah i find it actually relatively hard to believe that the pirate swoop could have a mediterranean climate it's too far north mm. i just thought like where would new want to live and i was like southern that's why I made it. <laughs> I, mean, would. I mean, I think, yes, if we look at this from a character perspective, we just have to assume that that overwrites the actual, like, physical location of Pirate Swoop. And by his force of personality, it is, in fact, Southern France. You know, he has a lot of magic. <laughs> He's a fancy boy. <laughs> He's so fancy. The other world building thing we need to do is our very fast linguistics plus bio. Now that we have some some other majors here, oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> so ready. Yeah, I'm the only main, I'm the only linguist prime. I think. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. How does it feel to be in the minority for once? Oh gosh, uh, terrifying. To be fair, I am still a linguistics major, so we are still fifty percent of this podcast. Mm. Yeah. True. <laughs> Um, so for linguistics things, um, I did do a tortle swear watch. I was doing the same thing. Okay, so I found my favorite one is horse lords willing, but also the fact that bastard is apparently a tortle swear. Well, the one that actually got me was, um, I'm not actually even sure it was really a swear, was as sure as the crooked god cheats. Yes. Um, which is a yes. good line, but also I just love it as like it and all of the associated swearing is like because they have a like polytheistic religion, they can use their swears and their like ref like lines like that to be such more like firm social markers than we can. So it's not just like are you the kind of person who swears or not? It's like are you the kind of person who swears with crooked god swears swears or are you the kind of person who swears with like the mother swears? Like that is such precise social marking. Like I love it. It's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Also, at one point, someone mentioned the graveyard hag yes. in one of their swears, and I just, I'm so excited, guys. <laughs> yeah, what was it? It was like, what is it? Like, hags? Where is it? I, what dice did the graveyard yeah. hag yeah. Somebody might have read this book too many times. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it was when the Kraken showed up. I think it was near. Yeah. The fairly mild, I believe, uh, Tortall swear, um, odds bobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, I love it a lot. But two, uh, it's such a like a mild and not like, um, not like world building e. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's not like related to something that's like specific to these books, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That 
every time I read it, I'm like, wait, is that a swear in the real world? <laughs> <laughs> Amy and I tried translating it into like a positive swear, like instead of heck yeah, like mm-hmm. Bob's yeah. <laughs> Oddman's Roberts. <laughs> Did you look it up? Because now I'm really curious whether. Oh, I think it's a real thing. Because like really? to me, yeah. it sounds like like uh, antiquated, but like a real thing. So I'm trying to. Yeah. Please Google it and find out for I us. I'm googling as we speak. Go to Edom Online. Yeah. Um, I can go to Edom Online. Oh gosh, it's not on Tortle and the or not on Edom Online. And the third search result, if you just search odd swabs, is Tamara Pierce, the Immortal Second Edition on Google Books. Ooh, but it says in. It says one of Dane's favorite expression, odds is contraction form of gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gods. Uh. And then Bob's is probably from Bits and Bob's. And also there was this whole trend with Cockney rhyming slang oh, that I'm no, sure no. that. It's from a corruption of God's body. Of course. Oh. What? Oh my gosh, wait, and then they mal not maliformed, but they um oh what's the word for when you switch consonant sounds and that's how you Oh gosh, what's the word for that? Spoonerisms? <laughs> Yes, but there's like a specific linguistics-y terms, but... But we're going to stick with spoonerisms because it's a great word. And also because I can't remember right now, and if I say the wrong thing, I think that my professors will come physically manifest in <laughs> here and carry me away. Um, anyway, so that's our uh, very fast linguistics. Um, <laughs> yes, very fast bio now where uh, me and Kelly confirm that absolutely all of the biology in this is 100% accurate and it's really impressive that she did her research. Right? <laughs> right, Kelly? <laughs> yeah. Is there anything beyond mammals are furry? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, animals are clearly all co- uh, capable of extremely complex thought and can, in fact, speak in your mind if you are special enough. I think so. The thing that I was thinking about this is it, it's she makes it confusing, right? Because Dane herself is like confused about whether she's speaking with her voice or her mind. So sometimes she has Dane like having like conversations that she like types out in language, but sometimes she says like the animal like showed her a thought picture. <laughs> so like, and so it's 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 hard to like reconcile like how much I'm like. Not mad, but, like, mad at her for, like, giving animals, like, the exact same, like, cognitive processes and, like, speech processes as humans. Because, um, like, she's, like, she was, like, when she talks about Dane talking to the whale, she was, like, Dane, like, showed her, like, the whale's, like, an image of herself, like, embroidered with her ideas and emotions. But then she was, like, the whales talk back to her in English and said sentences. <laughs> That is, to be fair, there's another book series where people talk to animals sometimes. It's called um, Animorphs by Kay <laughs> Applegate. And there is an encounter with a whale at one point that goes exactly the same as that, pretty much. Um, also, I do have one quick linguistics bio crossover, oh, which is, at one point, when the first time Dane sees a whale, she says, is that a fish? And Miri, who's with her, says, no, it suckles its young. <laughs> Which is not how that works. What you say is, that's a whale. <laughs> and then you can say, it's a mammal, which is different from the qual- the classification of fish. That's not how she was using the word fish. You know, they spend a lot of time in this book going on about how great the Tortolan education system is. And I think here they're just really <laughs> emphasizing that they all get biology instruction and can tell you like what group any animal belongs to. Perfect. Yeah, also later in the book, they do make math important again, just like they did in uh, first test. For No, not first test. First adventure. 
Um, because while Dane's trying to figure out with her friends, the bats, where all the people are, it just makes math important one more time. <laughs> and I appreciate that as world building, just in total math is important, kids. So learn your math. <laughs> the one other like species speaking thing that I wasn't sure about. So I feel like the one thing that she hasn't like done to offend me in terms of animal communication is I don't think she's had like different species like talk to each other and talk thought. Or, like, whatever, in speech or, like, in thought. I'm not sure they've cross-communicated. I think they've maybe Toy only gone. Do, have they talked to each other? Have they both just talked to Dane? They've talked to each other with Dane. I mean, yeah, the problem here is we wouldn't be able to tell whether in the absence of a magical pu- per- I just tried to say person and human at the same time. <laughs> in the absence of a magical person, they would be able to do it. That's true, because, like, theoretically she could be, like, a conduit, and, like, it's already been established that she's, like, changed Cloud's mind, I'm doing air quotes, to, like, make it more human-esque. Plus, I do think it's really important to remember that, like, because, as you said earlier, because we're seeing all of this through her mind, I think she is translating a lot of things into words that are not necessarily words. Mm -hmm. And so while, Mm -hmm. you know, a dog and a horse can absolutely not talk to each other in words, they can! Like, it's (laughs) not like there is no cross-species communication, and, like, Mm -hmm. they absolutely could, especially, you know, a dog and, like, a horse, especially a dog that's used to helping out a person Mm -hmm. in charge of horses may well be used to communicating in more of a let me herd you over here kind of way. Mm -hmm. For sure. The one other thing, I guess this is sort of world building or like quick biology. I'm obsessed with the fact that Tamora Pierce like made the whales be mean because I feel like every single book is like, whales, the most magical, compassionate creature in this book. It was like, whales, they are not helpful. (laughs) The whales were not mean, oh my god. The whales were pacifists, and she was trying to get them to fight a freaking war that had nothing to do with them. I may be getting a little loud, sorry. I didn't mean it quite like mean, but I feel like usually like it's like, whales are the best. Whales are so compassionate and great. And in this one, it was like, you know, whales are just whales. Whales are willing to let you die. <laughs> I like that. I also thought Tamarcus was like maybe being like... I I also like read that like pacifism as like... Maybe, like, a little bit judgy. Like, she seemed to have the whales be, like, super extreme pacifists and to sort of, like, have... Yeah. Yeah, that was actually one of the most jarring points to me in this entire book. Um, in part because I don't know if I've mentioned... I definitely haven't mentioned it in the podcast. I don't know how many of you guys have heard this, but I grew up in a super pacifist neighborhood mm. in a way that definitely shaped me. Like, think it was not a Quaker neighborhood, but they were all brethren, which is a similar peace church. Uh and so, like, I grew up around very, very strong pacifists. And so that part was super jarring, both in the, like, pacifism is definitely immoral implication, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but also in, like, the, it was also jarring within the context of the book, because you went from Dane being like, I can't possibly let these animals die for me, even though they desperately want to, mm-hmm. to, like, mm-hmm. these other animals that were nowhere nearby don't know me at all and, like, don't care about this should definitely die for us. Like, mm-hmm. or, or not die for us, but, like, break their deep-held values for us. And I, like, should, buy, like, very strongly pressure them to do that. That was just, like, a weird 180-degree turnaround. There was, um, like, Dane has this character growth arc sort of thing in this book that really happens, like, during the, during the battle where she's learning that, that self-defense is important and that you have to let your friends defend themselves and that the, the whales being pacifists was 
part of that arc. And, like, her trying to convince them was part of that arc. Yeah, I guess it was a little odd because it was almost like it was a overcorrection thing. Like, so I, <laughs> I, th- I think you're right that there was absolutely a, um, an arc from her going, like, I need to do what's best for these animals and mm-hmm. they don't, what they want doesn't have such a, an impact on it to her being like, no, even though these animals are not humans, they still have agency and they still have kind of a right to self-determination that I was not allowing them. Um, the the weird part is that with the whales, like, it's this part where she's overcorrected to actually everyone should do this thing. Uh, and then she has to recorrect to like, wait, no, actually, like they their agency also includes the right to choose pacifism. I thought that it was just because she doesn't know any whale, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like she grew up with every other kind of animal, and then she sees a whale and is just like, oh, that thing's big. She is very much in like the mindset of like, like if I know them, then they're my friend, and like I can't let yeah. my friends die. Yeah, but she doesn't know whales, so she's willing to let ask a whale to, like, knock over a boat for her. Because, first of all, I don't think she knows that whales can be damaged. <laughs> um, and secondly, because, like, she doesn't have a schema for, like, when a whale is harmed. Like, she's never seen a harmed whale. And she also, like, doesn't have the it's full understanding of a whale's life that she has for pretty much every other native animal. Well, I mean, also, I think there's a bit of... There's a bit of weird in that part, in that arc, mm-hmm. about, like, the the general idea that this is self-defense for the animals, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, oh, it's yeah. it makes sense to me that, like, her friends should have, should be allowed to make the choice to help her. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's a reasonable self-agency mm-hmm. argument. But I find no reliable basis for the idea that these animals are going to be worse off under the, like, <laughs> Carthaki people than they're going to be off, like, Tortolans. Like, we have no evidence that, like, I don't know, Carthaki people are just, like, super anti-environment or, like, I, I don't, like, there's no reason. Like, even if it's a very violent war, like, sometimes violent wars are better for animals than <laughs> stable like society because that means the humans have less impact and control over the environment so that part was just like yeah. ah sure <laughs> i'm really glad you brought that up because i felt really uncomfortable about that too and i was not sure if that was just like from my own perspective like i love animals i don't like seeing animals get hurt but i also feel like the same thing like tamara pierce like in terms of like your friends have agency you should let them do what they want like that makes sense but in terms of the fact that like dane's friends are animals like for me like it was the same thing like she really emphasized like these animals like have a super strong comradeship with like the people who already live there like i guess like whatever in the context of like fantasy books like right she's friends with these animals but like in the context of the real world they're not really Right. Well, and in the context of Dane, it makes sense. In the context of everyone else, no. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like the animals were gonna eat like a bunch of the chickens. <laughs> like, I know those chickens would be like, "Yes, I must defend." <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I also like that reminds me too. Like, sort of like, what about Dane? Like, compels animals like to help her no matter what. Sort of like, if Dane's in danger, like all these animals that don't even know her will be like, must help. Like, not like they would help any other animal that way, or even, like, a member of their own species, mm-hmm. necessarily. It's like, Dane is, like, the super special, most special animal friend. I think that that does have to do with, you know, like, her wild magic. She is magic. Mm-hmm. That is a thing. Yeah, like, it's not just that it lets her communicate with them, but that, like, they do, like, see her as special, and that, like, right? 
I mean, like, that's my general impression. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I've just been, like, thinking about it, like, when they rush to our rescue all the time. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it, it makes sense. It's goofy. Yeah, no, it is goofy. Like it's, it. like, although <laughs> even I'd say from an animal perspective, it makes, like, some amount of sense. Like, she is kind of, like, their savior, too. Like, you know, like, <laughs> she can magic like she sticks up for them among the two leggers and like she can heal them <laughs> and like she is a kind she is a naturally kind of mythic creature in their <laughs> perspective uh so like i i feel like that's a reasonable reaction as an animal to yeah. a magic magic girl <laughs> oh this isn't i don't think this is biology but it's science in general so i have a question i meant to google this <gasps> Uh, but I did not. Um, are cold temperature and salt water conductive to things other than magic in the real world? Salt water is conductive to electricity. Mm-hmm. I don't think cold temperature is particularly conductive. Shelby, do you know? I don't know. <laughs> you know who might know is my good friend, the internet. Yeah, I was just doing that. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry for, like, derailing us. You're asking the real questions. Thermal conductivity increases as the temperature decreases. That's thermal conductivity. Compared to its resistance at room temperature, copper's resistance is higher when it is red hot and lower when it is very cold. So that is the opposite. The idea that something's resistance is lower when it's cold might have something to do with it. Um, But who knows? knows? Um, We're not science here. Yeah, it does seem that according to this, uh, magic and electricity are in fact different (laughs) oh that's what i'm getting hmm interesting i feel like it was convenient yeah for two more years (laughs) i don't remember this coming up again except for maybe the salt water but i don't remember the cold i don't think i do either (laughs) so we'll we'll keep an eye on it and see what else happens magic magically scientifically I just wanted to know, honestly. This isn't like a criticism or anything. I just want to know. <laughs> no, sometimes we're just we just have healthy sometimes scientific curio- curiosity. So. Okay, so there's a new kind of magic in town. <laughs> its name is wild magic, which is named that either because of wild animals or, like Numer says, just one time when it's convenient for him because it's unpredictable. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm really interested in how different the types of healing are and why mm. people with wild magic do healing when it's so prohibitive and there is another kind of magic out there that is not. I mean, to be fair, I think only Dane does effectively. Mm. Like for I mean, that's not 100% true, but uh for the most part they don't. Is the answer. Dane is just really powerful and special. Yeah, super special. Oh, but she keeps saying that she's just like everyone else and not magic. How could she be powerful and special or a hero? <laughs> How could she? Uh huh. Could someone like her be a hero? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. God. <laughs> um. No, but yeah. So the the fact that. You cannot, add, like, I find it really interesting that you cannot discern wild magic using regular magic mm-hmm. also. Or, like, you can, but you have to be familiar with what it is going in. Um, because Dane's mother didn't think she had any magic at all. And Dane cre- could, like, built a terrible inferiority complex within herself from that also. So, whoops. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. I like it. I like that there are different things other than the gift. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I w- are there more types of magic after this? Uh, Don't 
answer if it's like a Do we know event. about Amy Club like plug your ears? Just <laughs> okay, in case. Goodbye. Oh that's true. You can just take out your headphones. Uh do we know about the site yet? Because George has it. So like it feels like it should be relevant, but maybe we haven't like world building felt it yet. I always felt like it was kind of like weirdly just like dropped in in those books. I do think it maybe is one of those things where she started out with the site being mm-hmm. just kind of a kind of the gift or a part of the mm-hmm, gift, mm-hmm. and then it kind of becomes its own genre of magic once she decides that's a thing she's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that sounds we'll watch right. for it. We'll watch for it. Okay, can I give Amy her head? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here you go. Oh, but um, but when when they're doing the thing and Numera is like, look at all of the like energy and things. I will help you see the magic. Rocks have magical energy. I know, I like that. <laughs> Magic rocks. <laughs> I mean, this is a different world, but the Emelon rocks are super magical. Like, that's there's a whole thing about magical Emelon rocks. Oh, there so, is. like, yeah. in, like, the context of, like, ambient magic, everything has magic. Like, I feel like it's very consistent with the way uh, she writes things. There is. Yeah, I, I, it, it's consistent, and I like it a lot. I just had forgotten <laughs> that the great. rocks have magic. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Do they ha- do they possess magic or are they magical? No, I think it's I think it's more in the sense of like they have potential energy. Oh, I like the idea that the rocks like are low key doing spells. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, just like spells that rocks care about. We can always dream. Let's put a pin in magic rocks for next episode. <laughs> I actually don't know if you're being serious because I don't remember what happens in Wolf Speaker. <laughs> oh, well, then I will not elaborate in any way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this where I just say my fan theories or? Oh, by the way, I found a really good way of responding to all of Amy's fan theories so that she can't tell whether or not you know she's right or not. Uh-huh. And it's just say, but what if they were an animorph? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Amy, you can absolutely say your fan theories whenever they're relevant. Okay. So the only reason this is what relevant is because you mentioned Wolf Speaker. This fan theory is based on the title of the book, Wolf Speaker. And it's when Dane was hanging out with those wolves, she wasn't running around as a human on all fours. She was a wolf. She was just being a wolf. What if they're animorphs? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's possible. And that's why everybody kept trying to kill her is because she was a wolf. Or an animorph. Or an animorph. <laughs> That's possible. I mean, after two hours, she would have been stuck, but... Yeah, this is very useful. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate it, really. <laughs> That's how That's how I managed to live in the same house as Amy while reading these books. <laughs> She's been doing great. <laughs> My other fan theory is that the badger is Dane's dad. That's a great theory. Maybe they're animorphs. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you for your time. I guess I have maybe one more world building thing to talk about. We could also save this because I feel like it might be brought up more later. But I'm kind of curious, and this is like what I sort of forgot, um, about like how the divine realms work like spatially, right? Because sort of like they've already referenced that like each land has like different deities. Do they all live together in the same divine realms? And the storm rings were like oh, we have our own gods. Do they also live in those divine realms with the people gods? This is a really good question. This is also a question that 
I feel like I can say without spoiling Amy, I don't, like, because also because I don't remember the spoilers, but it feels like this may come up in the fourth book, which is entitled The Realm of the Gods. Mm. Yeah, I think hmm. I think that might be true too, and I just can't remember, so. It's a good idea to bring these things up now so that we can both keep an eye on them. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, because we have just read this book and we're discussing it as in, in some ways as if we have not read the others. Amy's horse is looking really good. She's doing some masterful shading right now. <laughs> horse update! <laughs> yeah, so why don't we, like, end this section? I mean, end this episode. Okay, um, so... I'm not gonna take... I'm not gonna take the reins. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's gonna love this episode. Why don't we put this on pause? I know I already read that one, but I'm doing it again. <laughs> they don't have pause. I'm not just Horses are horse categorically jokes. different. It's about animals. Oh my god. <laughs> you it, it's you just don't share my talents. Oh. <laughs> oh no. I don't know. I'm not gonna let you put a muzzle on oh me. Oh my god. You know? <laughs> don't put me on a short leash. That's we something already, you do with we dogs. Already did the raid one. I keep wanting to reuse it, but I can't. Yeah, you. I yeah. Know. Also, don't take my it. puns. Not taking your Just puns. repeat your puns. If you I only have them. that one. I can't do it again. I need to wait a little bit longer. We're going to move on to palace gossip um, and read some listener mail. <laughs> Hi. Sorry, Kelly made a good pun. I made a good pun. Tell the people your pun. Oh, oh, okay. So Amy was really eager for listener mail, so I said, Amy, you are chomping at the bit. (laughs) (laughs) Gus made a face. They don't like this. (laughs) Just just a lot of them. Okay. Um, Okay, so... Quantity over quality. (laughs) We're going to... I think we're going to read a couple similar ones, and I don't know how much we're going to be able to, like, discuss discuss them but they're just mm-hmm. some interesting points that people brought up um twitter user roboroy uh uh tweeted at us and said that uh said you talked some about the khmer and i did want to point particularly to the khmer slash cambodia as almost definitely being the specific group drawn from okay this was interesting to me because like i totally get the phonetic thing there and i mm-hmm. think that's quite possible but um, also, and rec- correct me if I'm wrong, because I did not reread the Alana books, um, because I didn't want to be angry. Uh, <laughs> the Khmer, as far as I remember, are like a nomadic, like, herding people? Is that correct? Yeah. Like, that was, uh, like, they live mm. on horses and like, really like horses. So I was like, I like I think that she might be right that that's who they're named after. But if they are, like, I don't know if Tamara Pierce just really gets groups in Asia confused. Right. But I always associated them with either, like, you know, various, like, Mongolian, like, uh, nomadic cultures or, like, Central Asian nomadic cultures, but absolutely not South Asia. Yeah, that was also my general impression, but I don't, I can't pretend to know much about. I went to go look it up just to see if the Khmer, like, had more associations with horses than I could tell, because they're, like, they're on a, like, river delta. Like, (laughs) you don't generally have nomadic horse cultures and river deltas together, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so, like, I don't know, this is, this might just be a thing where, you know, 
it doesn't it doesn't map perfectly some uh there's some like this might just be a product of like when you're writing a fantasy culture sometimes you like draw things from different sources and make mishmashes of things in ways that aren't necessarily the best way to do things i don't know if that was like if that's the actual inspiration for the name of the Khmer. Right, no, I mean, it's entirely possible she just accidentally made a name that sounds like, like the Khmer. Khmer. Yeah. Like, like it's that that is entirely possible. Uh, but also, y- you never know with Tamra Pierce. She may also have just confused North Asia and South Asia. People do that sometimes, you know? The U.S. is not great about, like, anything that's not the United States and sometimes Europe. Yeah, I think that this is probably, like, as you said, I don't know enough about the Khmer yet uh, to make a judgment, but it seems like an amalgam of, like, just a bunch of stuff that people in this area that she's imagining could feasibly do. Um, She probably did research on other cultures at one point, but I don't think that she specifically was trying to mirror any group with them. But that's just, like, me talking as a reader who doesn't know anything. This these the series does I think tend to map pretty closely to real world societies or like closer than a lot of fantasy does, mm-hmm. um, and I think it does it in like a fairly deliberate way. Yeah, although often a relatively casual way, in that I would <laughs> definitely believe that the degree to which it maps is a lot based on how much she knew about the culture to begin with. <laughs> so, like, Japan, which we will get to later, Fantasy Japan, is a lot closer to Japan than, like, you know, than than I would expect, like, you know, for example, like, the Karthaki Empire to be to its world, real-world equivalents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Although, actually, we'll get to which ones those are, I assume, in a later episode. Because um, I think there are a couple different mappings. Um, yeah. More road trips. Oh, there will be some more road trips. But yeah, which is all to say that I think it's entirely plausible that she did not actually bother to map the Khmer to a very specific group, but was rather like Asian nomadic culture. By yeah, no Asian nomadic culture, I mean that as it exists in American in the American consciousness, which is like not very nuanced. No, mm-hmm. no. Yep. <laughs> in a similar vein, um. Princess Court 223 on Tumblr asked us, or I'm sorry, sent us a letter. Thank you. Um, asking, do you think there's any connection to the Mithran order in Tortal and either the Roman god Myth- Mithras? Is that right? Anyways, or Persian mm-hmm. Mithra. Or maybe this was just a cool name that Tamara Pierce stumbled upon. I So I don't know a ton about this, but... Um, so according to the look, looking into it, I did the Mithran order was specific, initially associated with the sun specifically because of their correlation with like justice and truth where and like they aren't like an especially pronounced like as far as I can tell, they aren't especially um, what's the word like distinct in the pantheon um, like forward in the pantheon. Mm-hmm. It seems like maybe it's a cool word that's sort of related to something and then she ran with it. Yeah, I think that that's very mm-hmm. powerful for the course. She took, in other words, she took the name. She didn't take the god. Yeah, um, or like she, there's also this thing where it could have started as something more related and then quickly grown into its own thing when she started working with mm-hmm. it. Um, but because like there is like the sun connection, but the sun connection is super tenuous. 
That's all I've got. That's pretty much all I've got, too. Cool. So it's a cool word, though. Yep. Like, cool sounds. <laughs> and I do think there, there is something fun about, like, you know, it's the same way with J.K. Rowling and the fact that, like, all of her names have, like, a tangential reason that the name is, exists, generally. Like, it's, mm-hmm. ne- it's never just a random name. It always has some connection. And it's connected to that kind of, in general, like, transformative ethos of, like, you know, it's the same in comics fandom or, like, fanfic fandoms. Like, it is always cooler to source something that has a connection rather than just make it up. Making it up is boring and not clever. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for, thank you for your letters. Yeah, thanks thank for you. your letters. <laughs> thank you. We have a couple more that we're going to answer in the next, um, in the next episode. Um yeah, also, I think we should start saying the dates of that we have collected our social media from. Oh, yeah. So this was all collected between February 17th and today, March 31st, 2018. That's correct. Yes. Uh, we record our episodes in advance, so if you don't hear your name, that's just because time hasn't happened for us mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> yep. Hello from the past. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Uh, thank you everybody who has interacted with us on any of our uh, social media or sent us any emails and special thanks to everybody who has reviewed us um we've gotten a few new reviews so thank you to uh nerd named ray perspec parma lover sans savvy and nm92 for reviewing us on itunes um we appreciate you we love you thank you for taking the time to do that i know sometimes it takes a lot of energy um let's see and everybody who's interacted with us on twitter in the last month two months month so that's uh ziggy t schutz indigo han writing rissa Mosslam, green hag dorian eyes ada niverville ufo underscore sparrow legend of divya heliological oh hi abby and hi abby <laughs> and didri loves jim so thank you Thank you. Thanks, guys. You're the cat's meow. Hey! (laughs) Oh, man. You guys having fun yet? I'm having so much fun. I love puns. Um, If you also want to interact with us on the internet, um, you can send us an email at tortellrecall at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at tortellrecall. Our Tumblr is tortellrecall.tumblr.com. And you can uh, find us on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. And please leave a review. Uh, we love hearing from you. We love hearing feedback. Our music is Greensleeves by Zeta. Our website is tortellrecall.com. You can also listen to us there. I think all we have now is our, our sign off, which we have two people who haven't been on an episode yet. And we have two halves of an episode. Shelby, do you want to go first? No, you can go first. <laughs> Shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> Till next time, Tortellini. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. That was good. A plus, A plus reading right there. A little bit extra alliteration for a bonus. Anybody want to make some puns? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs)
But aren't you concerned that this podcast is going to take a turn for the worse? That's a type of bird. Oh, a turn, a turn with a T E R N. Yes, oh. very good. Oh. No, this time we'll sparrow you. Oh. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say podcast? Yes. Good. 